Good evening, everyone. <laughs> uh, welcome back to our next instalment um, of being conformed to his image. Um, we have a tasty morsel for you this evening. Um, yeah, I was going to say special treat, but um, I've used that a few times. We have a special treat every week. <laughs> but it's a tasty morsel. I'm not talking about the custard slice. Ethan ate that all, unfortunately. So uh, just kidding, mate, just kidding. <laughs> um, but no, we've... Um, uh, we've got an awesome passage lined up for us all to um, to dialogue about and, and get our teeth into this evening. Um, so um, if you've got your Bibles, you can jump open to Genesis chapter 1. For those of you who don't know, it's probably the first page in your Bible. <laughs> so uh, we open it up. Um you know, um, the, the theme of both our morning gatherings and our evening gatherings has been being conformed to the image of the sun. And um, I thought it would be cool this evening um, to get right back to the beginning. And in, in Genesis, this is the first time that we hear this phrase mentioned, um, um, and that God made us in the likeness of his own image. Um, and there's something significant about the first time that you hear something like this mentioned in the Bible because it sets a course um, for all the future times as a foundation um, that the rest of these um, references will be built on. So we thought it, it would be worthwhile actually reading through the entire chapter of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Is that cool? Are we allowed to read the Bible um, when we come here? Is that all right? Um, <laughs> I, actually, I actually have an audio Bible with Samuel L. Jackson on it, you know, so I'll, I'll give it a go. Yeah, it starts off like this. In the beginning, God. <laughs> all right, that's as much as I've got. <laughs> Chris, you want to take it away? <laughs> Um, but no, it might take us uh, five minutes to read through Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, but I really think it's worthwhile because um, it'll, um, it'll set the context for tonight. And um, Chris and I were just talking before, you know, like it feels like the, the entire gospel is contained within Genesis. Um, so um, let, let's take the time just to read through it um, and then we'll get into our, into our panel discussion. Cool. Um, you don't have to read it in your Bible. You might, you might find it easier just to listen um, um, to these words. Um, and, um, but if you, if you really want to just make sure that it's correct, then you can look in your Bible too. <laughs> All right. Do you want to read the first chapter? Do you want to read the first chapter, Chris? And um, I'll read the second chapter. Cool. <clears throat> in the in beginning. In the beginning. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was, I was going for Morgan Freeman. Oh, so Morgan Freeman, sorry. Morgan Freeman. Right, here we go. In the beginning. <laughs> God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. 
Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts... By the seventh day God completed his work which he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his works which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his works which God had created and made. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and from there it divided and became four rivers. The the first was Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havala where there is gold. The gold, uh, The gold of that land is good. Um, the Bedulim, the onyx stone, are there. The name of the second river is Gishon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and all the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. 
So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Pretty massive couple of chapters, hey? Um, So this evening we're going to start at verse 26. Um, and we're going to unpack a little bit about what it means to be um, to be made in His likeness, um, and then we're going to flow down um, into verse eighteen to twenty-four and look about look a little bit about the typology um, of of the marriage covenant between Christ and His church. Um, so in verse twenty-six it says, "Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness.'" And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You know, I think it's interesting here in verse 26 that God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And when you think of that, you know, God is saying, let us make man in our our image. And yet God hasn't necessarily got a physical image. Mm -hmm. Can you see God? Can you touch him? Can you feel him? Well, we know that Jesus came in the flesh. But, but right here, God said, let, let us create man in our image, but without any physical form or likeness for us to attach ourselves to him. Hey? So interesting that the image that he's talking about is not necessarily a physical image, but a spiritual image. He says, in our image and in our likeness. Um, so... Um, our, our panel, we're just going to unpack this a little bit. Chris, I don't know if you want to kick us off um, on verse 26, any kind of key points or things that, that stood out to you? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of uh, things that stand out to me there. Obviously, um, the, the let us make man in our image, there's the, the triune God talking about making something that represents him, which is in one, you know, which to me was like, whoa, we've got three that are us, and we're made in the image of the one. So that's, you know, that did my head in, and that was about as far as I got on that. <laughs> um, the, the thing that really stands out to me about, about that is that he says that God created man in his own image. And then he says, and there's the instruction that God gives to man. He says, let us, this, this sort of theme carries on right through. God declares what it is that he's going to do, and then, and then it happens. He does it. There's no discrepancy between what it is that he's planning and what it is that happens, right? He says, let's do this, and then it's done, and it's good. And that's the process, you know? And so he intends to make man in his image and in his likeness. He says he's going to do it, and then he does it, and it's good. And he says something different to man than he does to the other creatures that he's made. He says, at the end of it, he says... Um, Fill the earth and subdue it, which he didn't say to anything else. And so this this part for me is super interesting. And it was just this morning I was, I'll try not to take us off on a tangent, but I will share this. Um, this morning I was listening as, as you were sharing, and I just felt like God dropped something in my spirit and spoke to me about this divine order, which is fruitfulness equals multiplication. Be fruitful and multiply. And so we so often want to multiply without the capacity to be fruitful. You know, and for me, I look at it like it's like a farm. I want to buy some more land so that I can farm some more stuff. But actually, what are you doing with the land you've got? Let's see some fruitfulness in this land, and you will naturally multiply. And so it's a kind of a different way of seeing things. But the standout bit for me on, on all of that is that he says, he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And the subduing it part, is an indication to something that needs to be overcome, basically. Something's going to rise up that needs to be overcome. That's what subduing it is. So what God was saying was, there's something which is coming for you to overcome. 
You're made in my image. You're made in my likeness. You are perfect in the sense that you're flawless, but you're not perfect in the sense that you're complete. So it says in Hebrews that it was fitting for us that Christ would be made perfect through the things that he suffered. Wait a minute, he was perfect. No, he was, he was the perfect spotless lamb, but he, he became perfect through the things that he suffered. So he entered into a process where, and if we substitute what we, what we think perfect means for the word complete, you know what I mean? There's a, there's a process. You, you've got something that you need to overcome in order to be complete because that's part of this, this process. And, and we only ever see this twice in the Bible. Adam was given an opportunity to overcome something, and he didn't do it. And who's the second Adam? Christ, the only other person that had this. And so he had the same opportunity. He was, he's the second Adam. And you could almost imagine the same instruction being given to Christ. Fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. There's some overcoming that you need to do, Jesus. And he does that. And that's the image of Christ represented. So Adam didn't quite make it, and Christ did it. And I think that's massive, eh? You know, because even the scriptures that um, you know, say that we're to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Hey, right. you know, it can be so easy to think that perfection is... You always um, tick the box. You do all the right things. But actually, like you're saying, the, the, the word perfect, particularly in the Greek, it means completeness and maturity yeah, right. as opposed to um, nailing everything, right? Yeah. You know? yeah, and or I think, flawless. That's right. That's right. And I think to me this is, you know, um, you know it talks about um, you know, being made in the image of God and that word image actually it means phantom, like a like a shadow. It's like a prophetic picture of of who we're to become. But when it talks about Christ being in the image of the invisible God in Colossians, that word um, image actually means fullness nice. and substance. You know, and so the, you know we, we we were like God's creation of us, like you said, is that that, that there was. Um, you know, it's essentially as a prophetic shadow of saying, "This is who I've always predestined you to be." Now, Adam had an opportunity through relationship with with God to grow up into the fullness of that image, you know, um, and and to mat- become mature and complete, you know. Yeah, and right. so, if and even Christ, if Christ needed to to mature, how much more for us, yeah, you know? Exactly. So, and it's the same for us, right? You know, we're called to be overcomers. Mm. And so, you know, just making sure that we're focusing on this, being found in the likeness of Christ, this is, for me, such a standout piece because he says, you know, I've, if they've done this to me, they're going to do this to you. You know, if this is my journey, this will be your journey as well. This is what I've had to do, overcome some things. You're going to have to be like me and overcome some things as well. And, you know, we see this, this bride that, that we're going to talk about later is an overcoming bride. The bride has made herself ready, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's interesting, Chris, what you're saying about, um, you know, be fruitful and multiply, you know? Because I think, like you're saying, it's um, so often... You know, in these verses, there's, there's something physical that's happening, but actually, it's all prophetic of something much bigger, right? Yeah, you know, right. like the, the fruitfulness and multiply is not just about having babies, right? right? You know, yeah. like, like God's, yeah. like, can you imagine? You know, like this is God's eternal word and His eternal purpose, and He's commissioned His first commissioning is go and have babies. Yeah, you know, no, it's, it's, right. it's, yeah. like, it's like there's but. But it can seem like that when all you hear is earthly, natural, physical, you know. But what about what if the fruitfulness and the multiplication wasn't just of earthly things? What if the multiplication was of His image, you know? And what if the fruitfulness was a, you know, um, an authentic, dynamic, genuine growth up into the mature image and full stature of Christ, you know? And all of a sudden, the scriptures are not just physical. They, they take on an eternal dynamic and an eternal element to them as well. You know? That's all right. Well, that same, you can almost hear that same instruction from Christ when he says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. You know, that's, the, that's that be fruitful and multiply, isn't it? Um, and again, 
disciples of all nations. You know, we're talking about fruitfulness that leads to multiplication, not go and make converts, you know. I feel like a real good example for, for me is kind of playing out in the workplace at the moment. And um, it's like annual performance review time. And so <laughs> everyone's a little bit like, and, and on edge, you know, particularly our grads who are encountering this for the first time, you know, and um, I had one of the young guys come and approach me just to talk through what he's going to say to the boss, you know, and, um, um, you know, performance reviews are not just about a pay rise, they're actually about taking stock and looking at the future and saying, how can we... How can we help you to grow, you know? And, and these young guys are, are awesome, you know? They're incredibly bright and they've got fantastic futures ahead of them. But often they're chomping at the bit to get them to get into the, you know, the bigger, more high-profile projects. And yet, like, throughout this process, there's, there's a conversation that I keep having with some of these young guys, you know? It's like, you, you know, you, you want to take on this responsibility, what about being fruitful and multiplying what it is that you're currently engaged in, you know? And without that perspective of actually fruitfulness is more important than the actual physical expression of what that takes, you know? It's not about the, the position, um, it's about the posture, right? You know? And I think it can be so easy if that's not your motive, that any, anything that, that says, hey, like this is who you can be, or this is um, this is an this is a growth area. If if your eyes are fixed on the the position, then you're going to actually miss the opportunity for the fruitfulness that comes just through being. Um, and and I think to me, it's like I wonder if we see our lives that way. You know, like when we talk about maturity and we talk about growth. It, it'll either go one of two ways. It'll make us feel insecure that we're not where we should be, mm. or it will empower us to move forward and to press up into, you know, the fruitfulness that he's called us to, you know. Um, so it's not just about the external performance. It's actually about the inner world and the inner life, yeah. you know. So yeah. um, There's this passage that I love in Proverbs 13, and it says, um, much food is in the uncultivated land of the poor, and for lack of justice, there's waste. And it talks about, like, you think if you're poor, you've got nothing. What, are you, what have you got, you know? And this, this passage here says that there's actually food in the uncultivated land. What it is that you have that you're not using, you know? And I've often just, I feel like God has spoken to me about areas of my life that are lying dormant. You know, and we often, the farming analogy is a really good one because we see it in terms of geography. We might go, I've got nothing, but I've got a section of land out there that I haven't turned over, isn't doing anything. And for lack of justice, there's waste. And we see a God that is just. He doesn't leave loaves and fishes just to rot on the ground. He goes and picks them up after they've been multiplied, you know. And it's, it's that same mentality. And, it's, and it, for me, it's the shift between seeing lack or seeing abundance and seeing potential, yeah, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. And it, you know, it says in, in 1 Corinthians that he's given us his spirit so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us yes. by God, you know? Yeah. Like, that, to me, it's like that, that right there is like he has, it says, you know, um, he has freely given us all things, and yet, like you said, they lie either dormant or we just can't see that they're there. We can't see what it is that he has given, and in not seeing, yep. we don't live from it, right? That's you know, exactly right. and so often it can be praying for the for God to give us this or give us that, or even give us more of Himself. And He's saying, "Well, actually, I've I've given you, you know, um, what is it? He says, you know, open your eyes, see that the harvest is ripe for yeah. the picking, you know. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit does. Eh? He He opens the eyes of our heart." to see what it is that has actually already been deposited and yeah. already has been given, you know, yeah. so that we can live in it and live from it, you know. So, yeah. and, and that's really the trick, isn't it? Like, you know, the moment that... So when I, when I first started to, to think about this, it was a few years ago that God started to speak to me about that theme of fallow ground and uncultivated land and the things that he's abundantly poured out or richly given. Straight away you can naturally go, okay, what are those things? What's my uncultivated land? Now I'm going to start working it. 
And yet he says that, I mean, what, what's our position in this? You know, and straight away, John 15 comes to mind. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. You can do a bunch of stuff. It can look good. You can build some things, but it's worthless, really. It's fading, like we sung, treasures that fade. It's, it's worthless. And so the real, for me, that goes the only way that this is going to end up in fruitfulness and multiplication that's worth anything is if it comes from you. It has to be through you. This is what, this is what fruitfulness is, eh? Um, what you talked about, subdue, and, um, you know, the, the passage that we've been looking at in the morning from Matthew 10 it's really interesting how it says, you know, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. And that all comes after a whole section called the hard road before them. <laughs> you know, so it's all about persecution. It's all about um, this this reality of being his, being from the heavenly realm, and as you are walking like he came from the unseen realm into the seen realm, and he walked, there was, there was persecution from all that was seeing things through the temporal, yeah. you know, and... Um, was constantly coming in, whether it were were people that were directly against Christ or people like Peter, who became offended at his word and became a stumbling block or tried to become a, a stumbling block to Christ because he was opposing him because he was seeing things through the natural. You know what I mean? And the origin to, to understand... Our beginning, which is what we're talking about. Um, where did we come from? You know, that has to be settled within us. It has to be revealed in us. Where did we come from? Because none of this subduing or anything like that makes sense or is empowered or can be lived out if, um, if that isn't you know, fully in us and, and, and we, it's revealed. We hear it, we understand it. We know that we are not from this world, you know. We know that we are citizens from another realm. We've actually been made and an entirely different creature from the, the birds and the the other animals and things that are around, all the things of earth, we, we have been given breath yes. out of the Father. And um, the, the, so to me, this is, this is not only where we come from, but who we are, you know? And the, the starting point of everything that we are comes from this knowledge that has to be revealed to us as to who we actually are. You know, we are we're not to be compared with um, the birds of the field and the and the the wonderful animals and all the beautiful things. Yeah. Um, we're not just created beings, but we have been um, created in His image, mm-hmm. and that is a whole different thing because there's nothing else that He's created that has been created in His image. And it's interesting, eh, that he says after after all of his other creation, you know, it, it talks about, um, you, know, you know, vegetation, plants yielding seeds after their kind. You know, he talks about the animals after their kind. But he actually doesn't say that about human beings. You know, he doesn't say that about man. He doesn't say man was created after his kind, you know. Yeah. He, he draws a dividing line and, and says that all of these, all, everything else created was created after the physical kind, you know? And then he says, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, you know? And to me, he's saying there's, there's a kind of animal, there's a kind of plant, but actually humankind 
were not created as a kind of human beings. They were, they were always predestined to be a kind of Christ, That's you know? Right. Isn't that That's interesting, right. you know? And, and so, you know, right there, there's a prophetic, you know, typology of saying that, that we were not created just to be mere human beings. We were always created with purpose and potential to, to be carriers of the divine nature, you know? Um, and, and so you, you can see, like you're saying, Sandra, you know, it's, um, it, we are not just one of God's creation. We, we are actually predestined to be, one, to be like him, you know, to be of his kind, to live from him, you know? It will, it will only be the knowledge of that that will cause the ability to subdue. You, you can't do the subduing without that because you will be doing, you will be living like a lion subduing a mouse, you know, and that, that's, that's just natural. But we're talking about a spiritual reality and the things that he has for his plan is to demonstrate something through us as his children in the fullness of Christ that is actually going to demonstrate things not just to this physical world but to the spiritual heavenly powers. Um, so it's way, way, way bigger than anything that eyes can see and that mouth can t- taste and that your hands can touch or you can smell. It's nothing to do with those things. It's to do with a, a, a far, far greater um, way of being and way of living and way of subduing. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It's it's easy to... I think, um, obviously, the physical examples are fantastic to give us a type, but they are just a type and shadow, you know. I, I want to read us this bit from uh, Romans 5, which I think um, is, is very similar. It has the potential to, to be heard as something that it isn't, but I'll just read it. Uh, it's titled, Death in Adam, Life in Christ. Um, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offence. For if by the one man's offence many died, much more by the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offence resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offences resulted in justification. In this verse 17, For if by the one man's offence death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And that, to me, that verse 17 is just so powerful because you could naturally go, oh, this means I'm going to reign in life, therefore I'm going to own a kingdom and do all these things and naturally be empowered to have the biggest farm or whatever sort of picture we're using, but that's not what he's talking about. It says in Proverbs that, he who rules his own spirit is greater than he who takes a city. And so we're talking about a, a, a kingdom that isn't of this world. Yep. That's right. And I think, to me, that, that's such a powerful verse, eh, you know? Like, and, and to ask the question, what, what does it mean to reign in life? Yeah. And what kind of life are we talking about? You know, what, what does it look like to have, you know, Christ's kingdom reign within us, you know, that we are, we are literal overcomers, yeah. you know. Yeah. And to me, I feel like it's, it's such an interesting typology that he's using of, of Adam, eh? You know, he's saying, like, I think particularly even in, in, in Romans 6, you know, and he's saying, you know, there, that through one man, through one man's disobedience, the many became sinners, but through one man's act of obedience, the many became righteous, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, when, when talking about reigning in life through Christ, it's like, in, like, I just think of, like, all of mankind has been infected with this thing called sin, yeah. right? You yeah. know? And when we, are, when we are physically born, that is, is within us, wouldn't yeah. you say? You know? Yeah. And it's not like we chose that necessarily, that was 
you know, David talks about being conceived in iniquity, hey, you know? And, and none of us can get away from that. It's the reality that we were born, the reality that we were born into, you know? And it, and it holds us until we, we receive the gospel, you know? But he's saying in here, in the, in the same way that you were caught up in this thing called sin, what would it look like to be empowered through righteousness, through the gospel, yeah. That, that once you had a tendency to, to sin and to live for yourself and to live in you know, complete selfishness, what, what would it mean for the gospel to come into you that, that through what it is that Christ has done, you no longer associate yourself with the, the, the loves and the lusts and th- that whole life, but what if Christ's empowering grace within you actually gave you the capacity to reign in life through Christ, you know? And it can be so easy to think and see the power of sin at work in your life. But he's saying, he's actually saying here, actually that the power of the gospel is even greater than the power that held you from the day that you were born in sin and bondage. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, it's like, it can be so much easier to think, oh man, I always associate myself as a sinner but he's actually saying that the power of the gospel and the power of sonship and the power of redemption is even greater that, that through one man's disobedience all became sinners. Through one man's righteous act of obedience, the many became righteous. How much more will we as the body of Christ reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, you know? And so it's, it's such a different mentality to think that this is who I am and this is who I'm always going to be. I'm always going to struggle. It's always going to be hard. And then the gospel comes and, oh, my, oh my goodness, he's not just judging my actions. He's judging my, my thought life now as well. And, you know, but actually, that's not the message of the gospel at all. It's actually saying that, you, yes, you were born into Adam, but let me tell you about a new and living way that you can be not just born into the to the first Adam, you can be born into the last Adam yeah, and receive the reality of Christ in you that sets you free from the power of sin and death. And in the way that you, in Romans 6, that you were a slave to sin, you couldn't stop sinning, you couldn't help it, you were just, um, it was like an anchor around your heart and your mind that pulled you down this dark way. You have now, through the gospel, become a slave to righteousness. You've been born again. There's a living hope within you that you are, you, you don't try and act righteously. You're a slave to righteousness. You've been changed on the inside. You've re- received the reality of Christ. And now the desires of your heart are for Him, for His heavenly kingdom, for the things that we talked about. For the things that are above, you know, um, you've actually changed on the inside, having received the gospel, the living word of Christ, and you've become made new, yeah. and you're different, eh? Yeah. You know, so it is. It's a new and living way. It's it's that's the the reality and the power of of Christ in us, eh? The yeah. hope of glory. Yeah. You know? so. And then it actually says in Romans eight, you know, that creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. (laughs) And we're the first fruit, say, you know, because how can creation be set free if if the church haven't been made free, you know? It's like we we are the, the first fruits of the resurrection, and he is coming back to rule and reign physically over this this natural earth, you know, Donald Trump is not going to be in power forever. You know, there is there is a king that's coming to physically reign and to physically subdue the earth. You know, but the but the kingdom that's come is now an internal, an internal, eternal kingdom that that is here on the earth and is to be expressed through the church. You know, and I, although we don't see the physical God, Christ physical reign sitting on his throne and governing from Jerusalem now. It's almost as if the reality of that kingdom sits within us, you know? And while the earth physically isn't subdued, we have been subdued. We we have a king that sits on the throne of our hearts that governs our hearts and our minds and has us living from this kingdom place now before we see the fullness of that kingdom coming in a natural physical expression, which is prophesied about, eh? you know? Um, And we need to be preparing for 
but it's now and and then, you know. So so it's cool. Do we have any, any questions or, or, or thoughts or comments? Comment, you're welcome to make a comment, Melissa. <laughs> <without looking. laughs> Um, I was thinking about when Sandra first started speaking about us, um, this value we have that we're made in the image of God. And um, looking at it from this perspective of um, the fall, you know, Adam and, and, you know, so in essence, all people are made in the image of God. But we're done our fallen image until they come into Christ through the gospel, through the power of gospel. And then we become the true image of God again, which we were always destined to be. Yeah. So it's, and it's, it's that big thing where there's a, there's a before the world is ever created, yeah. God knows, thought of all of us. You know, like we were talking about at the well yeah, the other day. Exactly right. and, um, and, and then there's this, this reality that is in the heavenlies that is not outworked until we experience the gospel yeah. and then become. So, so human life has value because it was created and designed by God, inherent value. Yeah. So, we, you know, so we value human life, whereas people that do not believe in God don't have necessarily a standard for human value. It's what you can do for someone else, whatever. Yeah. But in God we do. But that, that true value doesn't express itself or come out until we're born again. Yeah. Because we're in a, our, we have fallen nature, we have you know, a fallen thing. So there's an essence of God, but there's not that fullness of it until we start coming in to live out the gospel and yep. grow in that. That's right. Yep. Yeah, I love that. I love that, Nick, because that's, that's really it, and we are talking about that in the well as well, right, that, um, that we were chosen before the foundation of the earth, that we should be holy and blameless in him. And so we have this little hiccup on the way, which is, this, this sin issue and the gospel is what sets us free from the sin issue to be who God originally intended us to be according to his original intention, you know, which is what we're, we're talking about at the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a great distinction, eh? Because mankind have a form of that image, eh? I think even like with Levi, you know, he already has a form of my image, you know? Yeah. But he's actually not a representative of my of my image. Do you know what I mean by that? You know, there's there's a physical expression. He looks like me. His haircut now looks like me after this afternoon. You know, <laughs> but but there's an image that for him to mature into that yeah. he doesn't hold yet. You know, and I think um, to me that that's what parenting is all about. You know, is that we're shepherding physically our kids into uh, uh, to be mature people mature adults you know and so there there is there's something that you get for free when you're created he didn't do anything to receive good looks no just kidding (laughs) 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 i'll take it (laughs) um but there's there's but he needs he needs to, to grow up into something that is so far and beyond that physical image you know and i think um you know, I just think about my own dad, you know, and I, and I know it wasn't until I was older that I could fully appreciate. I'm like, man, there's so much that I've received, like, emotionally, you know, um, um, and, in, and in personality from my dad that I'm like, thank you for demonstrating integrity and kindness and, um, you know, and, and it's like that that you know that even though it's a um, a personality and an emotional thing, there's still value in it, right? You know, and I think it's all of that is a typology of ultimately who my true father is, and he said that he's created me and has predestined me to be a partaker in his divine nature, you know, to be made in his image and according to his likeness, you know, and so there there is, you know. Um, it is like it's it's more than just a nice story, you know. It's that he's actually 
created us with that potential to grow up spiritually into the same image as Christ, to love like him, to have compassion and empathy and mercy and kindness and gentleness and meekness and fervency and and passion and you know and heart for God more than for ourselves and you know like that that's the image that He's predestined us to be, um, to to grow into eh? you know um, so I find it really interesting in um, Genesis five um, it starts off in in the day when God created man He made him in the likeness of God He created them male and female and He blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. And then listen to this. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. And the, the thing that this speaks to me is that if flesh begets flesh, yeah. spirit begets spirit. Yeah. And there is an identity as his children that not only supersedes but completely um, eradicates the flesh identity. Mm. And no matter what our flesh identity, our flesh begetting, has in, in given us whatever traits, good or bad or whatever, the, the substance of Christ being, being our identity is what the goal is and, and who we truly are. So it gives us this sense where we actually, we have a different beginning and start to what we would ever know in the natural and that is what what this is this is all about because how can you be conformed to the image of Christ if you don't know that that's your start and that that is the destiny that is that's who you always were supposed to be spirit begetting spirit if you're just caught up trying to modify the flesh become begetting flesh and you're seeing everything through the natural things, through your natural ability, through your natural trait, the, through the natural characteristics that you might have. You know, there is something that is greater. And it's like, that's why he's constantly saying, look to the things that are unseen. Get to know me. Because if you get to know me, you actually get to know you. If you don't get to know me, you'll never know you. You'll be looking here, trying to to get to know who you are. You can't get to know who you are by looking at you. You can only get to know who you really are by looking at me. Uh, it's, that's massive, eh? You know? And I think, to me, identity is, is such a key thing. And I think that's why it says fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, you know? Because just like in the physical, I can't... Um, and, and to me, this is why, you know, Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. You know, we were born physically into Adam, and we must be born again into Christ to receive the seed of the kingdom within us that gives us a different future to what we would have have ever dreamed of or imagined, eh? you know? And to me, it's like, um, you know, Levi has been born physically to me. I, he can look to me to see what he's going to look like in the future. But Let's say, for example, and I look to my dad to see what I'm going to, my physical appearance is going to be like in the future. But, I, but if I look to Sandra's dad, that's not going to, it's not going to tell me who I'm becoming, right? I, if I look to, if you look with your physical eyes around you to someone that's not your father, you'll get deceived and tricked into think, you know? Do, do you hear the typology? We need... This is why knowing him, it says, we all with an unveiled face are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that image with ever-increasing glory. That he is the image, 
that we are becoming, you know? And so if we ever get, conf- you know, like in terms of our identity, who we are, you know? And that's why he gives us revelation of who he is and who he is then defines who we are, you know? Because physically, if Levi looks to me, he'll have a snapshot of who he's becoming. He can't look to any other person outside of who it was that created him because it will give him a warped view and won't show him what his true identity is. And that's why we have to have a revelation of who God is. And when we're born again, we're on track if we are abiding in the vine, if, if we are entering and engaged in this process of transformation by the Spirit, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. Eh? I hope that typology makes sense, you know. And so much of it comes from what He says. So very often you will see children in the natural are formed by their parents' words, you know, their behaviour, their thoughts about themselves, all that. So what is greater than that? There, there, there is a father who says stuff about us, <laughs> you know, and does that supersede what our natural parents have said about us? You know, there's got to be one voice that we're listening to. You know, my sheep will know my voice. So that, that it does, it cuts us away from and frees us from the wrong source. You know, because we we can only come into who we are by listening to the the one who actually made us and destined us, you know, predestined us before the foundation of the earth. Predestined us before our parents were even around, you know what I mean? It's an entirely different kind of view because it's, it's an eternal view and it precedes and supersedes. It's, and that's that's why it's so important that we know whose we are and where we've come from. A eh? identity is yeah. is so critical in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just thinking about was it Philip who said, "Show us the Father" to Jesus, and Jesus is like, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." Mm-hmm. You know, and he's not talking about I look like my heavenly Father physically. Mm-hmm. He's saying I am the exact representation of my Father. In his ways, if if you need God to sign a check, I can sign a check on his behalf. I I represent him one hundred percent accurately because I'm not about myself. I'm about him, which is his very ways. And and I just think that's such a such a beautiful picture because he calls us into that. He says, "You're called to be like your father who makes it rain on the just and the unjust. You know, this is like Christianity 101 for us, right? And we're still walking this out. What does it look like to be like you in nature? You've made the way. And then there's this maturing, believing and and walking this out, which looks like overcoming to me. And while there's this physical thing going on, you know, even with even with in God, you mentioned Chris about the Trinity. You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three very different physical expressions of God, yet yeah. the same Absolutely. nature. Eh? Same. And I think we're called into that same that same nature. You know, and the picture that I had um, last week is it was almost like. You know, under our clothes, you open up and it's like Superman. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> underneath there, and that's to me, it's like it's like that, that's who we are to be on the earth, you know? It's like those who, I'm physically Sam Willis on the outside, you know? But take a look into my inner world and you'll see that I'm not just a mere human being, you know? I've, I've received a life within me that's greater than this earth and I've actually got superpowers that are beyond this earth, you know? Yeah. Um, reigning in life, it sounds Reigning like. in life through Jesus Christ, you know? And I just... You know, with my craft knife, rip open Christ, uh, Christ, Chris's. Oh, there we go. I've done that before. <laughs> Chris's shirt, and it's like, oh, there's so, there's something more than what meets the eye. There's something in you that's that that reigns, that governs, that's that's greater than just this physical flesh and blood thing that we see going on. It's not subject to the things of the earth the same way as mere humans are. Right. That's right. That's right. We 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 reign in life 
through Jesus Christ, you know, because we've received a, a life source within us that, that's greater than this earth, you know. Um, so it's big stuff, eh? It's big stuff. Yeah. So, sorry, that's just a little secret about me. I just let you, let you in on that. <laughs> secret, you know, the Superman, you know, secret identity, you know, cats out of the bag. You know? <laughs> No, I did. I, um, the other day, I had to take Levi on the train in full Superman attire. You know, <laughs> he, got, he got it for his birthday, and he refused to get out of it. The pants, the top, and the mask, you know. Oh, yeah. So yeah, tell me, was it you in full Superman attire? <laughs> I, had my, I had mine under the suit, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the exact image. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Levi knows his father. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Do we have any more questions or comments or... Um, you know, other things that, that have popped up for, for guys? If not, we might jump into... Um, to the end, though. Um, do you want to jump into... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I do. Chris has got something. <laughs> I just want to share. We might only do it briefly because we do want to have time for discussion. So that would be really cool. The end. The end part of this um, of chapter two, which is which is what we read, and um, I'll just read it to refresh us. Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Um, And just the reason that I wanted to share this, and and maybe we'll continue this next week, is that there's, there's so much in this... They were both naked, the man and his wife, and not ashamed. Where they're standing before each other, and there's no fear, no shame, no secrets, nothing hidden. Um, and I and I just I feel that for us, and and this is why I want to share it because I just feel that for us. I feel like God's calling us into a greater season of vulnerability, transparency. You can call it walking in the light. You can call it removing the mask and being real and authentic because he deals really well with real and authentic. You know, and, and what, what I feel like we need to be for each other is like our father. So, so one of the things that I know is that I can be naked and vulnerable before my father and he's going to accept me because he's already accepted me. But what I feel like there's an invitation and a call into is his children that are found in his likeness to behave like him. That means that we can be naked and vulnerable before one another and we are loved first before anything else. So love has to be the preeminent because love is what qualifies us. And so often, and I'll say this for myself, this is how I know this is that this is part of my journey that God's spoken to me about and caught me out on. Where he's caught me out on being more interested in speaking into someone's life to direct them and guide them into what I think is right than I've been interested in loving them without condition. And only love can bring about a change. And if the love in my life that is the extension of him on the earth doesn't bring about that change, then that's okay because love doesn't come with strings on it. I'm not with you because I need to change you. I'm with you because I love you because the nature of my Father is in me to be love. And so I just, I just want to touch on that, whether we stay there for, for long or not. There's something so freeing about that, and what I've seen is that as, as God has freed me to love, people have been free to come to me and be themselves in a greater capacity. Now, we, we try to do that the other way, the same way that we try to multiply before we're fruitful. We try to get people to be vulnerable for us before the work's been done that empowers them to be vulnerable. And so what, a, what, a, what an image and likeness of our Father and our Lord that man and woman, before sin turned up, were like this. They were like this for one another. And this is an example of what it is that we're called into. Now, like I said, we, we know this of our, of our husband, our Lord, that he is like this for us. But the body that looks like the head is like this too. 
Um, so that's just what I wanted to say about that. <laughs> no, I just I don't think it needs to go anymore. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's um let's break into um table table discussions. Maybe you guys can join together, um, and um, we'll do that for kind of twenty five minutes or so. Um, I thought what we can do is open up your Bible to the first, um, you know, part of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, um, um, through to 28, and, and talk about what, what, what's the image that he is forming us into. Um, so we talked about, you know, the theme of um, the morning and the evening sessions is being conformed into his image. What is that image, and what would it look like to live from that image um, in our day-to-day lives.